presented by Pastor Greg Wheat and Christian Life Church in Lexington and Purcell, Oklahoma. For more information, visit ChristianLifeOK.com. Well, welcome to uh, Encounters. It's been a fun series that I put together, and I hope you've enjoyed it. This is week four, and uh, if you've missed any one of our uh, sermons on encounters, you can go online and you can watch them or you can listen to the podcast. I encourage you not only that, but to share them with somebody and, and uh, they can make a difference in their life. I also want to say that if you haven't done so already, take out your smartphone or your cell phone, check in on church, let someone know where you're at. You can make a difference in their life. You know what? Somebody may be looking for a church this morning and by you checking in, uh, it may be the thing that they need. Uh, to get involved in church and, and ask you about it. So use, use social media to your advantage to uh, make a difference in someone's life. So when you have an encounter with somebody, usually it affects your life. When you have an encounter with anybody, it really will affect your life. So for the past several weeks, we've been looking at people in the Bible who have encountered Christ and how their lives were affected by it. And also, how a personal encounter with Jesus Christ can affect your life as well. So, week one, we talked about Mary Magdalene. Week two, we talked about Peter. Week three, we talked about Judas. And we talked about how each and every one of them had an encounter with Jesus Christ and how it changed their life, how it affected their life. So, this morning, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a place, now listen carefully, have you ever, ever been in a place in life as a parent, as a family member, as a friend, as a Christian, as a leader, or maybe on the job where you faced a dilemma, where you were unsure what to do, or you were apprehensive about a decision that you had to make? If so, then you can identify with the person we're going to be talking about this morning and his name was Pontius Pilate. Okay? He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he had to make a decision about what he was going to do about his encounter. Think about this. How did these two meet? How did Jesus Christ and Pontius Pilate meet? It's a great story. And I'm going to tell it to you this morning. I started out just a few minutes ago uh, earlier in the service talking about Palm Sunday. And what it really represents. So let me kind of give you and unpack that a little more. You see, how did Pontius Pilate meet with Jesus? How did these two people have an encounter? What led up to their encounter? A lot of times we just read the story and we don't think about the steps that it took to have an encounter with someone. And I'm going to tell you those steps of how these two met. So years and years prior, Israel was held captive. They were slaves in Egypt. You've heard me tell that story many, many times. And they prayed and they cried out to God for a deliverer. And God sent them Moses. And Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let the people go. Let all of these slaves go. Let all, let all of Israel go. And Pharaoh wouldn't do it because that's how Egypt was being built on the backs of slaves. God wanted Israel free. Israel wanted Israel free. And so God sent Moses. He raised Moses up, and Moses was a leader. And leader, as a leader, he went into Pharaoh, and he said, let these people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And so God, through Moses, began to work very different, many, many different miracles so that Pharaoh could see, you better let the people go, or you're going to feel the wrath of God. 
And so miracle after miracle happened, but Pharaoh's heart was getting hard. Pharaoh had finally had enough of all of these things that Moses was doing and God was doing through Moses. So at the very end, Pharaoh says to Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm sick and tired of you coming to me with all these miracles from God. I'm going to give you a miracle. Deal with this. Tomorrow, all the firstborn children will die. And Moses says, you have no idea what you just spoke. God used Pharaoh's words against him. And that's exactly what was going to happen. All the firstborn of every household was going to die, but not like Pharaoh thought. Pharaoh thought they would die by his hand. See, Pharaoh was going to assemble his army, and the army was going to go out and attack Israel, and every firstborn was going to die under Pharaoh's hand. But he didn't realize that God had a different story. God was going to use his words against him, and every firstborn was going to die, including those in Egypt. But here's the thing. I don't know if you put two and two together, you like to read between the lines. But God provided a miracle. God provided a way out for all of those who trusted in him. And this is how he did it. He said, for all of those in Israel, for anybody, I believe anybody even in Egypt could have done this, who will take a lamb and shed its blood and wipe its blood over the doorpost of their house, the Passover, the the death angel will pass them by. But nobody in Egypt did this. Everyone in Israel did this. And so what we have here is Passover, meaning the death angel passed over everybody who had the blood of the lamb over their door. This is really a representation also of what Jesus is going to do on the cross. When Jesus shed his blood, he gives you salvation, the opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior through his shed blood. The death angel will pass you by. So this is really a representation of what was coming to come in the future when Jesus died on the cross. So all of that is a background. For years after that, now, Israel celebrated what we call Passover. Okay, And so now they're getting ready to to celebrate Passover. And Jesus is with his apostles. And he says, let's go into town and celebrate Passover. That's where we're bringing you up to speed here. Okay, and so it's really when we call Palm Sunday is what we represent today and what we celebrate today. Jesus was coming into town with his apostles to celebrate Passover and everybody got word that Jesus was coming into town. They had heard about all of his miracles. They'd witnessed some of his miracles. They'd heard about all these great miracles. So they grabbed palm branches and they began to wave palm branches at Jesus as he came into town riding on this donkey. And they a lot of times threw the palm branches in front of him or they take off their cloaks and throw down in front of him to, to worship him. And it was really, and I'm going to read the scripture to you in a minute, it was really an amazing thing because uh, the religious leaders were afraid of Rome. And Rome, you know, was afraid of Jesus because they thought he was going to be a king and set up a kingdom and overthrow Rome. And so Rome wanted him dead. And so they approached the religious leaders and threatened the religious leaders. And so the religious leaders, you'll see in the scripture in a few minutes, come to Jesus as he's riding into town on this donkey and everybody waving and worshiping him with palm branches. And they say, Jesus, please, can you silence all of your, your followers? Can you silence all of these worshipers? And Jesus said something, and I want you to remember, and it says, he said this, if they are silent, the rocks will cry out to worship me. And we come to church week after week, totally unrelated here, but we come to church week after week to worship the Savior, to raise our voices in worship, to to raise our palms, if you want to say, really, to worship Him. They raised palm branches and waved and worshiped. We have palms that God has given us to worship and to raise to worship Him. And that's all 
worship is, is to worship the Savior. So that's what was going on. Palm Sunday, they're coming into town, and, and Jesus tells his disciples and apostles, go find a room. We've talked about this. And so they found a room to, to, to go be in, to begin to worship, um, um, to begin to celebrate Passover. And all the apostles are with Jesus in this room. And, and we've talked about each one of these people that had an encounter with Jesus during this time frame. During this week period, this one week period where they're in the room together. And so we talked about Mary Magdalene. We talked about Peter. We talked about Judas. And it was during that time, one of these times, where Judas snuck out. I talked about that last week. And betrayed Jesus. Okay? So he betrayed Jesus. He turned Jesus over to the authorities. And so Jesus goes into uh, the garden to pray. I talked about that last week. And how they're, they're praying together. And that's when the soldiers come. Uh, with the religious leaders and take Jesus away. So this is where we are today. Judas betrayed Jesus. Now, Jesus has to go before the religious leaders uh, in, in court. He's, he's being judged in front of the religious leaders. He was betrayed by Judas. And so here's the thing you need to know. He, Jesus was saying that he was the Messiah, right? I'm throwing a lot of information to you, but he was the Messiah. And they viewed this as blasphemy, Okay, And so the religious leaders wanted him dead, just like Rome did. And so they were going to bring charges against Jesus under the charges of blasphemy. You're being blasphemous, saying that you're a God, you're son of God. And so blasphemy back then in the religious world was punishable by death. And that's what they wanted. So they had this on Jesus. He was saying he's the Messiah, the son of God. And so he was being blasphemous. So they were going to put him and sentence him to death. The problem was this. They couldn't do it. They had no authority to punish him uh, and sentence him to death, they, to put him to death. They could sentence him to death, but they couldn't put him to death. They didn't have that authority. Only Rome did. So now after he was before the religious leaders and judged, now he had to go before the Roman court, which was with Pilate. Are you with me? How did Jesus and Pilate meet? That's how they met. So the religious leaders drug him in to the court, and he was now before Pilate, sentenced by blasphemy. And Pilate had to do something with this. So this is where they, they met. And this is where Pilate, whom we're talking about this morning, faced a very big challenge. And it's a challenge that you and I have to face on a daily basis. He had to decide what he was going to do with his encounter with Jesus Christ. And I want you to remember that statement. Because I'm going to say it again, and you're going to hear it again later in this message this morning. Would Pilate listen to the, to the religious leaders that wanted him dead? Would Pilate listen to the crowd who had been swayed against Jesus? Would Pilate listen to Jesus' followers? Would Pilate listen to his Roman advisors? Would Pilate listen to his wife? Get this. This is how God works. God spoke to Pilate's wife in a dream. And, and it proved that Jesus was the Son of God. And so Jesus is before Pilate, and he has to be judged because the religious leaders brought him in. And his wife comes before Pilate and says, let him, let him go free, because he truly is the Son of God. So would Pilate listen to his wife? Or would Pilate listen to Jesus? The question is, what would you do? What would you do if you were Pilate? Here's the thing. Pilate was in a predicament, and here's what Pilate had to do. He had an idea, 
And he hoped that his idea would get him out of the hot spot that he was in. He had Jesus in front of him. He had all these people wanting Jesus dead. And he didn't know what to do. He was in a dilemma. He didn't know what to do. He was in the hot seat. And I want to read this story. And if you want to follow along, you can. Or write it down and go back and read it in your personal devotions. Matthew 27, verses 11 through 26. I want to read it to you this morning. You can follow along. Jesus stood before Pilate, the governor, who asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Yes, that's right. Then when the leading priests and the older Jewish leaders made their accusations against Jesus, he said nothing. So Pilate said to him, Do you not hear all of these charges that they're making against you? Why don't you answer? Basically, why don't you defend yourself? But Jesus did not say anything, and this really surprised the governor. Every year at Passover, we talked about why Jesus and his apostles were in town. They were there to celebrate Passover. Every year at Passover, the governor would free one prisoner, whichever one the people wanted freed. At that time, there was a man in prison who was known to be a very bad person. His name was Barabbas. Verse 17, when the crowd gathered, Pilate said to them, I will free one man for you. Which one do you want me to free? You see, here's the thing. Pilate had this great idea. You know what? I don't have to make this decision at all. I don't have to decide what I'm going to do with Jesus. I'll let the people decide. And whatever they want, that's what it'll be. He was trying to take the chicken way out. And that's what you're reading here. And so every year at Passover, he turns someone free. And then in verse 17, he says, when, a crowd, when the crowd gathered, Pilate said to them, I will free one man for you. Which one do you want me to free? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Verse 18, Pilate knew that they had handed Jesus over to him because they were jealous of him. Verse 19, while Pilate was sitting there in the place for judging, his wife sent a message to him and said, don't do anything with that man. He is not guilty. Last night I had a dream about him and it troubled me very much. He had, a, he had a chance to do the right thing. And I want you to understand that. He had a chance to do the right thing. Verse 20. But the leading priests and the older Jewish leaders told the people to ask for Barabbas. Basically, the, the, the priests and the religious leaders saw that they had a chance for Jesus to die. And so they were running around the crowd. And let me just tell you this. This happens today in your life and you don't even realize it. You're in a dilemma. You have to make a decision, and, and you don't know what to do. And what do you do? You go around trying to get an opinion from the crowd, and the crowd is swayed every time. And this is what happened. The religious leaders were running around the crowd, swaying the crowd against Jesus, okay, because they wanted him dead. The Jewish, or the Jewish leaders wanted him dead. The crowd really didn't care, but they were being swayed by a few voices telling them what to think and what to do. And so while Pilate was sitting there in the place trying to judge all of these, judge Jesus, verse 20, but the leading priests and the older Jewish leaders told the people to ask for Barabbas to, set, to be set free instead of Jesus and for Jesus to be killed. Verse 21, Pilate said, I have Barabbas and Jesus. Which one do you want me to set free? The people answered, Barabbas. Pilate asked, verse 22, so what should I do with Jesus? There's the question. What, what am I supposed to do with this guy? What am I supposed to do with Jesus? The one called Messiah. All the people said, kill him on the cross. Pilate asked, why do you want him killed? What wrong has he done? But they shouted even louder, kill him on the cross. Verse 24. 
Pilate saw that there was nothing that he could do to make the people change. In fact, it looked as if there was going to be a riot. So he took some water and he washed his hands in front of all of them. And he said, I am not guilty of this man's death. You're the ones who are doing this. Now listen to the crowd and what a stupid, stupid remark they make. The people answered, we will take full responsibility. You can blame us and you can even blame our kids. You've got to bring your kids into the mix. Innocent kids even. You can blame us and you can blame our kids. Dumb, dumb statement. Verse 26, then Pilate set Barabbas free. And he told some soldiers to beat Jesus with whips. Then he handed him over to the soldiers to be killed on the cross. And the rest is history. It's a sad story. He had a chance several times to do what was right. So what lessons can we learn from Pilate's predicament? That's what we want to talk about this morning. What lessons can we learn from this story? His encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, he had to make a decision. What was he going to do with Jesus? What was he going to do with his encounter that he's now face-to-face with with Jesus Christ? If you're taking notes, write this down. The lessons we can learn from Pilate's predicament. Number one, live with integrity. Listen to me. Every day you have to make this decision. Just like Pilate had to make the decision. And I'm encouraging you. I'm challenging you. Live with integrity. As a Christian, live with integrity. As a parent, live with integrity. As a family member, as a friend, as a neighbor, as a boss, as a co-worker, as a decision maker. Or when you find yourself having to lead, lead with integrity. It's been said, integrity is the glue that holds our life together. Integrity is the glue that holds your life together together. And for that reason, we must constantly strive to keep our integrity intact. Integrity is when what we say we believe is what we actually believe. That's what integrity is. Integrity is when what we should do, listen carefully, is what we actually do. What we should do is what we actually do. And can I tell you, Pilate didn't do that. He had the chance to lead with integrity and to do what was right, but he didn't do it. Your level of integrity defines who you are. Your level of integrity defines who you are. Listen, you can have confidence in yourself. You can have chemistry to get along with others. You can have the capacity, which is the ability to do great things. But if you don't have character and you don't have integrity, you have nothing. Integrity is doing the right thing, even though it may be the difficult thing. Let me say that again. Integrity is doing the right thing, even though it may be the difficult thing. And that's something Pilate didn't do. He didn't do it. What lessons can we learn from Pilate and his predicament? Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you have to make a decision, evaluate all the options. Evaluate all the options. This is something he didn't do. He really didn't take the time to evaluate all of his options. Don't be impulsive because short-term impulsiveness can lead to long-term consequences. That's good, Pastor. Let me say it again. 
short-term impulsiveness can lead to long-term consequences. And you see this with Pilate's decision that he made. You need to evaluate all of your options. There are going to be times in your life where you're going to have to make important decisions. Life-altering decisions. Every one of us here have moments in our life where we have to make these decisions. And when you do, just be ready to deal with the pressure that goes with it. Because pressure will come. Can I tell you something? As a parent, you are going to feel the pressure when your kids don't like to hear what you have to say. You're going to feel the pressure from your children when you have to say no and they don't understand it or they don't like it. What are you going to do then? You're going to feel the pressure if you're ever a coach because at some point in time, you're going to have to make some hard decisions and decisions that some people aren't going to like and some parents aren't going to like. They're going to come to you and say, why isn't my kid being played more? Why is my kid on the bench so much? Why this? Why that? Just get ready as a coach, as a parent, you're going to feel the pressure. Can I tell you, as a boss, you are going to feel the pressure because not everybody likes what you have to say. And not everybody likes the job that they are made to do. And you're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel the pressure in any kind of leadership role you take. Any kind of leadership role. As a leader, you're going to feel the pressure because not everyone agrees with the decisions that you have to make. And when you make a decision, not everyone is going to like or accept that decision. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do when you feel that pressure? Whether you believe it or not, you need to understand this. Every one of us here, elbow someone next to you and say, that's you. Come on. Every one of us here, all the decisions that we make on a daily basis, every decision that you make on a daily basis are influenced by who you've been listening to. Who are the voices in your life? Who are the voices in your life? Who are you letting influence your life? Who are you letting influence your decisions? Here's a word of the wise. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. If you listen to the crowd, can I tell you something? The ones that you have a surface relationship with, you know, like the crowd that Pilate faced... When you listen to the crowd and you choose to listen to the crowd, like your Facebook friends, right? You know how it is. You get on Facebook and you think, oh, I'm not for sure what should I do about this. And you post it on Facebook. Or I'm not for sure how I feel about this, so I put it on Facebook. And, and I'm not for sure about this person, and I'm kind of disgruntled about this person. And so I'm going to put it on Facebook just to feel. And instantly, you've got a barrage of people who are not invested in your life, who could really care less about what happens to you, are going to give you their opinion. And a lot of times you listen to that opinion and it affects your life. You got to be careful about listening to the crowd where you work. Guys, can I tell you, when you go to work and you're having a tough day, you're having a tough life, you're having a tough decision with your, your family, your spouse, your kids, your finance, you go to work, the people you work with very rarely are invested in your life. And they're going to give you a tongue-in-cheek observation or a quick answer, and they're not going to give it a second thought, but you may take it to heart and be the, be the wrong thing. Ladies, it's the same way. When, when you're upset and you, and you go to all these girlfriends, 
and you call them on the phone or you whatever you do to contact them and they start giving you all this advice, be careful of the crowd because the crowd has nothing invested in your life. Be careful of your peeps, right? Like I'm my peeps, my people. You know, I, these people care about me. No, they don't. They say they do, but they're not going to be around when your, your life goes down the crapper. I'm just telling you. Be careful who you listen to. They have nothing invested in you. And they have nothing to lose if you go down burning. Listen, the crowd can actually lead you astray. If you don't believe me, just look at the scripture time and time again. When Moses delivered Israel and they were going to the promised land and they faced some hardships, which we all do in life sometimes, they were ready to stone Moses. They were ready to burn him and bury him and, and drag his bones back to Israel. I mean, back to Egypt. And time and time again, they were, they were calling out as a crowd, Moses, let's go back. I'm tired of this. Let's go back and let's be slaves for the rest of our life. And not only us, they weren't even thinking because if they went back and became slaves, that meant their children, their grandchildren, and every generation after that would have been slaves for the rest of their life. If Moses would have listened to the crowd... They would have went back and became slaves. And history to this day would have been different. If Joshua and Caleb had listened to the crowd after Moses had passed on, Joshua and Caleb had to, to, Joshua had to lead Israel into the promised land. But think about this. If Joshua and Caleb would have listened to the crowd when they went scouting out the promised land, everybody got scared. Israel said, oh, there's giants in the land. We can't do this. Why has God brought us out here to die? Let's go back. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we will not go back. We were going to possess this promised land because that's exactly what God told us to do, and we're going for it. Where's that kind of faith nowadays? If Joshua and Caleb had listened to the crowd, because the crowd's always right. Burn them at the stake. Stone them. Drown them. Let's go back and be slaves the rest of our life. It takes courage. If Moses had listened to the crowd, they would have been slaves. If Joshua and Caleb had listened to the crowd, they would have never entered the promised land. Let me give you a couple more examples of this. Be careful who you listen to. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 to 14 says this. Enter through the narrow gate for the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that gate. The broad gate is the crowd, folks. But small is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The crowd isn't on that road. Proverbs 16, 25. There's always a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to death. When you're under pressure to make a decision, you need to talk to three people. Okay? Just three. Make it easy. Talk to God. You need to talk to a godly person who's going to give you godly counsel. And you need to talk to your spouse if you're married. Because those three people are going to point you in the right direction. Number three, lessons we can learn from Pilate's predicament. Respond with courage. Respond with courage. Pilate didn't do that. Here's what happened. When he didn't get the result he wanted, guess what he did? I read that scripture to us. He let the people, the crowd, make the decision. He was going to listen to the crowd, and when it didn't go the way he wanted, now all of a sudden he takes the chicken butt way out, 
Yes, I said it. We're getting spiritual in here, aren't we? Glad I got your attention. Guess what? He says, fine. I wash my hands of this. It's on your head. Right? He washes hands of the matter. He said, I'm innocent of this. Can I tell you something? Pilate was a coward. He was a coward who lacked courage in the moment of a crisis. And you're going to face these times in your life. Are you going to be a coward when you have to make a tough decision? Because you want to please the crowd, you want to please this group, and I really don't want to say anything here, and I don't want to do this or that. Can I tell you, Pilate was a coward who lacked courage in the moment of a crisis. He didn't do what was right. He did what was safe. And before we judge him, we do the same thing almost every week of our life. We don't do what's right. We take the safe way. And that's what he did. It takes courage to stand up for what is right. It takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to say the right thing. Even if it may not be the popular thing. Even if you have to stand alone. It takes courage. Following Jesus, listen to me carefully, and doing the right thing will always put you in conflict with this culture. Always. It's going to happen. So remember, doing the right thing may not be the popular thing, but it's the best thing. And Pilate didn't do that. So here's the question as I close. I want you to answer. Pilate had to ask himself, and you have to ask yourself the same question. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus this week because this next Sunday is Easter? Do you even really care? I know it's that we, we celebrate Easter, and it's a great day for our kids and Easter eggs and all that. What are you going to do, though? What are you going to do between now and, and next Sunday when, when you know you work with people that don't know God? You know you work with people who really aren't going to church, who aren't plugged into a church, who don't have a great church like you have. What are you going to do with Jesus in your family when you call him on the phone and when you talk to them or you see people, you see people in your neighborhood or you see people at work? What are you going to do with Jesus? Because you have to ask yourself the same question as Pilate did. What am I going to do with him? He did all the wrong things with his encounter with Christ. What are you going to do? Because, folks, you and I have had an encounter with Christ at some point in our life and at a minimum in this service. You've heard the gospel. You've heard a story. You hear me telling, me, telling you a story about Christ. What are you going to do with Christ? Will you accept him in your life to be your personal Lord and Savior? Because that's a decision every one of us have to make. And can I just boil it down for you? If you choose to reject him, you're choosing eternal life in a place called hell. No one likes to hear about that. But if you choose to receive him, you spend eternity with him. So what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to accept him? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to serve him? Are you going to stand for him when it gets difficult? Are you going to live for him in your daily life? Or are you going to play it safe like, like Pilate did? Will you live a life of integrity to do the right thing every day? See, when you have an encounter with him, that's what you should be doing. Living a life of integrity. 
When you have an encounter with him, will you, will you choose to ask for wisdom? Unlike he, unlike Pilate. When you have an encounter with him, what will you choose? Will you, will you be willing to do the right thing? To have courage to stand up and do the right thing every day of your life, even when no one's there? Or, like Pilate, we decide to wash your hands of the whole thing. I just, this is too heavy for me. I just don't want to have to make this kind of decision. I want, it's just too much. And you just wash your hands and, and move on. What will you do? It's your choice. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, you see each and every one of us here. You see each and every one of us, God. And you see where we are in our relationship with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you feel in your heart of hearts that, that you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life to become your personal Lord and Savior, would you just simply raise your hand and put it back down so I can pray with you? Thank you. If you raise your hand, just say this, this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, And I receive him into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Write my name in your Lamb's book of life. Help me to live my life for you every day. And for all the rest of us here this morning, will you say this prayer? Will you be willing to say, God, help me to do the right thing. Help me to have integrity. Help me to stand up with courage and to live my life for you with boldness. If that's you, just ask him to help you do that. God, you see every one of us, every heart, every person. Give us the strength, give us the courage we need to do the right thing. To be courageous in our relationship with you. In our families, in our homes, on our job, everywhere we go. Help us to live a life of integrity. Help us to stand up with boldness and courage. To follow you and to serve you and to lead others to you. I'm praying, God, that you open doors for us this week to share our faith with others. And Lord, I pray as we worship you this next Sunday, on Easter Sunday, to to worship your resurrection, God. We ask that this place would be filled with people, God, who, who are longing for a close relationship with you. And God, we thank you for all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.